calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to the serialized audiobook, Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy. Written by number one New York Times bestselling novelist, Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Pandemic is also available in print, ebook, and unabridged audiobook. For links to purchase any version, visit scottsigler.com slash pandemic. Chapter 8 Day 12 YouTube Immunized, 84%. Not immunized, 10%. Unknown, 6%. Finished doses en route, 30 million. Doses in production, 12 million. Infected, 2,616,000. Parentheses, 15,350,000. Converted, 2,115,000. Parentheses, 6,500,000. Deaths, 284,000. Parentheses, 14,100,000. The converted were coming. Blackman's people were trying to hurry her out of the situation room, but she was still the president, and no one could make her go any faster than she wanted to. The time had long passed for her to be airborne, safely away from the rapidly deteriorating situation on the ground. The army had reported contact with at least five large mobs of converted in and around the city of Washington, D.C. The mobs seemed poorly organized, poorly armed, but they all had one thing in common. They had been heading for the White House. Air Force One, known as Air Force Two just yesterday, had landed at Ronald Reagan National Airport, delivering Vice President Kenneth Albertson. The military maintained firm control of that airport. After Fort Benning and Andrews AFB had fallen, the Joint Chiefs had issued kill zone orders for all critical facilities. No matter who you were, infected or not, if you came within a hundred yards of a protected area, you got shot. Blackman was heading to the airport. Albertson was on his way to the White House to take her place. The American people knew him, with his face broadcasting from the nation's capital, it would remain clear that America had not fallen. Not yet. But Blackman was a realist, and knew that worst-case scenario might come to pass. Elena Turgensen, the Speaker of the House, was third in the presidential line of succession. Blackman had ordered her to Sacramento to set up the next governmental seat in the eventuality that the converted overran D.C., Blackman's aides were all ready to follow her out. They held stacks of paper, briefcases, and laptops. 
She had cleaned up for the trip. Hair done upright and a freshly pressed red pantsuit gave her that hallmark presidential look once again. She was waiting for Vogel to finish talking on the phone. Someone had submitted info to the hack site and apparently linked to a video. Vogel whispered something, nodded, then hung up. Identity confirmed, he said. The subject is Cooper Mitchell. SSN and address are accurate. Facial analysis software registers a 100% match with DMV records. There is no question that this man was part of the hack study. Blackman let out a little puffed-cheek woof of air. <sighs> we have a chance, she said. Play the video. A paused YouTube page appeared on the main monitor. The frozen image was a blur of blacks and grays. Murray couldn't make anything out. YouTube? Blackman said. This video is public? Vogel nodded. Yes, Madam President. It seems Mr. Mitchell didn't fully trust our hack form. He wanted to make sure everyone saw him, so he couldn't... I'm quoting from his submission form. Just vanish into a secret lab, you goddamn government shit-eaters. End quote. The video's play counter only shows 301 views so far, which isn't much. We're still in control of this information. Blackman nodded. Play it. The image twitched and jumped, jostled by rapid movement. The face in the video belonged to the man holding the camera, Cooper Mitchell. He looked panicked, had the sunken eyes of someone who had flat out gone over the edge. A week's worth of stubble, skin red and cracked from exposure to wind and cold. It's me, Mitchell said. They come around me and they die. It takes, uh... Yeah, maybe like twelve hours or so, but they die. He started laughing. The sound of that laugh made Murray's blood run cold. He'd laughed like that once, back in Vietnam, when he, Dew Phillips, and six other men had heard the choppers coming to save them. Eight soldiers, all that remained from an entire company. They'd been overrun, covered in mud, fighting for their lives through the night in dark, sandbagged trenches. Murray had known his time was up, known he was going to die, right up until he'd heard those rotor blades slicing through the air. That sliver of sound had given him the strength to fight on. The image jostled as Mitchell walked, but stayed centered on his face. The background moved madly around him. Just look at this, he said. How fucked up is this? The image skewed as he turned the camera around. Murray saw a fire pit topped with a pig mounted on a spit. At first he thought the scene was somewhere outdoors, because that's the only place one saw fire pits. But then he realized it was inside the lobby of a trashed building. Then he realized it wasn't a pig. Jesus Christ, President Blackman said. Her hand went to the cross hanging from her neck. The image whirled to show a man in a red jacket, lying on his back, at first, Murray thought this man was also dead. Had to be dead, from the tacky phlegm that coated his mouth and nose. But the man's eyes cracked open. The eyelids looked nearly glued shut by strands of viscous yellow. The man looked at the camera for a moment, then coughed hard. Blood bubbled out of his mouth. See that? Cooper Mitchell said from off screen. <laughs> Fucker is dying, man. Dying. The camera spun again, stopping on a prone woman. Her blank eyes stared out. 
dried, bloody spittle flaked from the lips of an open mouth. On the woman's neck, peeking out from the jacket, Murray saw the shape that had marked the beginning of this horror show. A triangle. One of the triangle's slitted eyelids was slightly open, but instead of the glistening black Murray expected to see, there was a sagging, puckered, grayish membrane, like a party balloon that had almost fully deflated. The shaking camera whipped around to once again focus on Mitchell. He leaned in close until the screen showed only his wide, bloodshot eyes. Dead. Dead as fuck because of me. Someone come and get me. Please come and get me. I make these assholes die. You want to save the world? Then you better fucking save me. The movie ended, leaving a blurred image of the too close face up on the screen. Blackman looked shaken. Seeing an American citizen being cooked on a spit would do that to a person. She sat on the edge of the table, maybe to keep herself from collapsing. The polished surface reflected the bright red of her pantsuit. So this man could have Montoya's hydras, the president said. Where is he? Chicago, Vogel said. Park Tower Hotel, downtown area. Blackman slid off the table, stood straight. She gave her pantsuit jacket a sharp tug downward, as if she were just about to go on camera. Admiral Porter, I want this man. What kind of resources do we have around Chicago? Porter shook his head. We have nothing in that area, Madam President. All of Illinois is a mess. Converted have been spreading out from the Chicagoland area. We've got troops positioned at the nuke plants near Rockford and Wilmington, killing anything that comes close. Davenport and Champaign are part of that chain, trying to slow the spread from the suburbs. We could pull some of those forces, but doing so is going to widen the gaps the converted can get through. Indianapolis is holding strong, and I highly recommend we don't pull troops from there. Once we beat this thing, Madam President, we'll need those power plants in the industrial base of cities that weren't overrun. Screw the power plants, Blackman said. If we don't get this man, there won't be anyone left to use power. The idea hit Murray fast, took him over and charged him up. The SEAL team that rescued Montoya, he said in a rush. They're in quarantine on the Coronado. That ship could be off the shore of Chicago in hours, and it has two SH-60 Seahawk helicopters. The SEALs could go in, get Mitchell, and bring him back out again. Blackman considered this. Admiral, will that work? Porter nodded. Maybe. It's a damn good idea, but the city is overrun. A partial SEAL team probably isn't enough. Then get me something to back them up, Blackman said. Admiral, if we have any reserves at all, this is the time to use them. Porter drew in a deep breath. Even at this late stage of the game, he wasn't going to rush things. We do have a few air support assets on standby. The crews have been isolated from day one, so we know they're reliable. As for ground forces, I've got a ranger company at Fort Benning. I was saving them for your security, Madam President. If Air Force One can't refuel in midair, or you have to land for whatever reason, that company will go to where you are, give you adequate protection. She huffed. <sighs> My protection matters even less than those power plants, Admiral. Send the SEALs, send the rangers. Will that be enough? It has to be. It's all we have left. We haven't seen the same organized forces in Chicago we've seen in Minneapolis or the New York boroughs, so this could work. God, 
guide and defend our soldiers, Blackman said. She addressed the entire room. Ladies and gentlemen, I have to get to Air Force One. I have the utmost respect for your dedication and your bravery. The fate of our nation, of the entire world, hangs on us continuing to do our jobs. May the good Lord protect you all. She finally let her handlers hustle her out. Murray was sad to see her go. Not long ago, he'd hated that woman. But when things were at their worst, President Blackman was at her best. Now he'd get to see the VP in action. Murray didn't have high hopes. Albertson had been on the ticket because he could carry California. That, and probably only that, had put him in such a high place of power. For now, however, Albertson didn't matter. Cooper Mitchell did. Murray had one card left, and now was the time to play it. Admiral Clarence Otto is on the Coronado, he said. He's Department of Special Threats. I think he should go in with the SEALs, manage the biological aspect. Porter nodded. That's fine. People, contact the Coronado and have it steam full speed for Chicago. Let's get the SEALs briefed. He turned to Vogel. Show me that video again. Vogel nodded, tapped some keys. The screen refreshed. It started to play, then he paused it. He pointed to the view counter in the video's bottom right-hand corner. In the time it had taken Blackman to watch the video and to prove the mission to Chicago, the view count had jumped from 301 to 15,236. Oh, shit, Vogel said. I think it's gone viral. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. In a time when the world outside is unsafe, it's vital for Pura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.
Chapter 9 Viral Steve Stanton played the video for a third time. To think he'd actually saved Cooper Mitchell's life? Now he wanted to kill Cooper. Cut his belly open, pull out his intestines and make the man eat them. Have one of the bulls break his bones one by one while Steve danced to the music of his screams. Four of Steve's high-ranking followers, three men and Dana Brownstone, stood before him. They all had the smart strain, like him. None of the four had challenged his leadership. Those who had were already dead. Although not at Dana's level, the men were all quite brilliant. Robert McMasters, the president and CEO of the energy company Exelon. Cody Hassan, who had apparently been an up-and-coming jazz musician. And Jeremy Ellis, a young geneticist who held multiple PhDs. McMasters was hard at work on preserving the power grid. Hassan helped craft the messages to send through Brownstone's network. Ellis was already modifying facilities at the University of Chicago, so he could study both the biology of the Chosen Ones and how to defeat the human's inoculation formula. All four of them were afraid to make a noise. They all sensed Steve's fury. That, and their eyes kept flicking to the two huge bulls that stood behind him. Three workers sat in front of his three laptops. All three screens showed the same YouTube video. Steve pointed to the middle screen. Cooper Mitchell shot this inside a building. Which building? What floor? Brownstone and the men said nothing. Steve drew a black pistol from a thigh holster. The weapon had belonged to a cop. The cop didn't need it anymore. He had tasted delicious. Steve aimed it at Hassan's face and pulled the trigger. The gun kicked in his hand. Hassan's head snapped backward. He dropped, probably dead even before his limp body hit the floor. Steve holstered the pistol. I said, what building? Brownstone shook her head. We don't know, Emperor. The video quality is terrible. We can't identify any key structural elements. We think it's a hotel or an office building. But there's over 130 million square feet of office space in the central business district alone. He could be anywhere. Steve looked down at the man running the middle laptop. Refresh and play it again. The man did as he was told. As the window came up, Steve looked at the number of plays. 132,512. The views were climbing, fast. He didn't know if that was from uninfected watching it with a final sense of hope, his own kind watching it with a feeling of horrific dread, or a combination of both. The video played. Steve wondered what Cooper would taste like. He'd never find out, of course, because Cooper was a walking plague. If only he'd just let Bopan kill the man. Isolate his face from this video, then print pictures, thousands of pictures. He turned to his four, correction, his three top followers. Spread the word that everyone is to look for this man. Search every building, every office, every basement. If someone finds him, kill him on the spot, whatever it takes. Ellis raised his hand. Emperor, the people who kill him might very well contract the disease he carries and transmit it to the rest of us. If it's as contagious as it appears to be in the video... It could spread like wildfire through the Chosen Ones. It could eventually reach us. 
That was a good point. Steve was glad he hadn't shot the scientist. Whatever group takes out Cooper Mitchell is to kill themselves immediately, Steve said. They will go straight to heaven. They will be heroes. Now move and send someone in here to clean up this body. Tell them to bring a mop. Chapter 10 All the Marbles It made Margaret's skin crawl to be so close to them. She, Clarence, Tim, and Commander Klimas were packed into the same mission module, where they had teleconferenced with Murray and Dr. Ching. Margaret and Clarence sat on one side of the table, Tim on the other. Klimas stood in front of a screen that showed a map of Chicago. He pointed out the landing area on the city's coast. My team will OTB to Lakeshore Park on the city's east side and secure it as a landing zone. Tim raised a hand. OTB? Over the beach, Klimas said. The phrase covers the various methods we use. Sorry, I'll try to make the rest of this more civilian friendly. We also have air support from two Apaches, three Predator drones, and believe it or not, a B-2 bomber. A B-2, Clarence said. That's kind of overkill, isn't it? Not if we find the converted gathering en masse, Klimas said. It's loaded with 500-pound JDAM bombs. Could take out a lot of them at once. He paused, cleared his throat. <clears throat> it's also got... Ah. Well, it has a nuke. They would never learn. Margaret knew the nuke had delayed things in Detroit, but the current situation showed that her kind could not be stopped. When the converted rebuilt, they would just steer clear of any radioactive craters. Klimas again pointed to the map. Once my team secures the LZ, Chinook helicopters will deliver the Ranger Company, which is under the command of Captain Percy Dundee. We will then move about a half mile west to the Park Tower Hotel. SEALs lead and Rangers support by leapfrogging blocking positions at major intersections. If Cooper Mitchell is at the Park Tower, we grab him and get out. We'll have close air support for the entire operation. Apaches will fly low and loud to intimidate the bad guys and take out any organized force that might come to meet us. Easy as pie. The video from Cooper Mitchell had changed the game. Margaret knew it was the real thing from the moment she'd seen it. He had the hydras, and from the looks of that video, they were far more contagious than she had thought. The Antichrist had risen again. She had to find a way to kill him. If Klimas was successful, if he brought Cooper Mitchell out alive, then Margaret had no doubts of what would come next. In a few weeks, she and all her kind would be dead. Clarence squirmed in his chair. Why come in from the water and cross all that territory on foot? Why not take a Seahawk and drop in right on the hotel? I've moved through a half mile of urban terrain while under fire. It's risky. We'll lose people. Klimas touched icons on the screen zoomed the view in to a 45-degree angle that showed towering buildings. Margaret instantly saw the problem with Clarence's plan. Skyscrapers make for a lot of places the enemy can hide, Klimas said. If the enemy is armed with something big enough, they can hit the Seahawk on the way in or on the way out. Lakeshore Park is a more secure place to land. Trust me, Agent Otto. Seals and Rangers can get to that hotel in a hurry. Margaret had seen those Seals in action. Brave, smart, deadly, they moved without hesitation. She didn't know what type of resistance her kind would put up. Were the converted in Chicago unified at all? 
Reports had come in from cities all over the world about organized bands, some the size of small armies, but there had been no such sightings in Chicago. As far as anyone knew, the city was in total chaos. If that were true, the SEALs might very well walk in, grab Cooper Mitchell, and walk out. She couldn't let them succeed. She needed to make sure Mitchell died. And while she was at it, she had an opportunity to eliminate another major threat, Tim Feely. He was the brain behind the inoculation effort. If not for his work, her kind might already have taken over. Feely was too smart, too creative, and had too much knowledge of her former research. This trip would be the perfect opportunity to get rid of him. Margaret stood. I have to go with you. So does Tim. Tim sat straight upright, looked at Margaret as if she was pointing a gun at his head. Clarence stared at her in disbelief. This is a high-risk operation. We can't be ferrying civilians. Tim nodded. Yeah, what he said. Oh, and also, like fuck, I have to go with you. Why would you and I go in anyway? The SEALs grab this guy, bring him out, we draw the hydras from his blood, replicate them, and boom, we win. There are environmental factors to consider, Margaret said. Mitchell's video indicates that the infected are dying, but we don't know that he's responsible for that. The sickness could be caused by something in that building's water supply, or in the air. If we bring Mitchell out only to discover that he's not the vector, we'll have wasted time and risked lives for nothing. The three men in the tiny room looked at one another. Klimas didn't seem surprised. He was ready to back almost anything she asked for. Clarence, however, wasn't buying it. We can't risk you. We'll keep you in constant visual communication. The SEALs get Mitchell. They get samples from the dead bodies in the video, from the water and air, whatever else you want. Then they get the hell out. She slapped the table. Don't be stupid, Clarence. There's no guarantee Mitchell will be there. If he's not, we're left with those bodies. If the cause of death is something other than the Hydra strain, tissue samples collected by untrained soldiers might not show us what did the damage. We need to examine the bodies where they died. Clarence shook his head. He looked like he was losing control. There's no way I'm letting a pregnant woman go on this mission. Klimas and Tim stared at her. Their expressions changed instantly. With one word, she was suddenly fragile, a thing to be protected. Her strategy to hook Clarence had backfired. She couldn't let him win. My body. My choice. Clarence crossed his arms. Our child. Margaret gathered herself, tried to remember what her weak, altruistic former self might have said. She concentrated hard, held her eyes open until they started to sting. She forced out a single tear. Wake up, my love. This isn't some men's rights debate. If this mission doesn't give us a weapon, we'll all be dead long before I could give birth. Don't you get it? This is the end of the world. Klimas nodded. She's right. This is for all the marbles. We need her expertise. If she wants in, she's in. Margot, how much time would you need on site? Good question. If they found Mitchell, she needed enough time to kill him while not drawing attention to herself or exposing herself to his disease. 
She also needed enough time to kill Tim and not get caught doing it. She was willing to sacrifice herself to murder the president, but not to take out Tim Feely. At least overnight. Once we locate Mitchell, we test what we can while he's still in the same environment. We have to be sure. Klimas' jaw muscles twitched. Then we're no longer looking at a grab-and-go. We have to change the entire operation. She nodded solemnly. Then change it, Polyus. Whatever it takes. Clarence stood. His body vibrated with anger. Klimas, are you kidding me? You think you'll last overnight in that place? As far as we know, there's a hundred thousand converted in the downtown area alone. Three quick knocks at the door. Then it opened. The little seal with the horrible mustache peeked in. Commander, we're approaching the disembarkation point. Understood, Klimas said. He faced Clarence. My decision is made. Margaret is coming. Clarence slowly sat back down. He had lost and now had to contemplate his wife, whom he had abandoned, and his non-existent unborn child going into hostile territory where the hostiles in question ate people. Margaret hoped he felt as miserable as he looked. Klimas turned back to the screen. The SEALs will still secure a landing area as planned. The Ranger Company will come in next. Once the LZ is secure, a Seahawk will bring in Dr. Montoya, Agent Otto, and Dr. Feely. Tim waved his hands. Whoa, tough guy. Margaret wants in, that's fine, but I'm out. You get me? O-U-T, out. Feely was the final piece of the puzzle. Margaret had to get him to come along. What would push his buttons? Don't be a coward, Feely, she said. I need you with me. Tim shook his head, hard. Fuck that, I've done my part. Margaret leaned across the table and slapped Tim's left cheek as hard as she could. The sharp crack sound filled the mission module. Tim stared, mouth open, eyes wide. You've done your part. The world is crumbling around us. We have one last opportunity to kill this thing. He stood, hands still on his cheek. I get paid to work in a lab. I don't get paid to ride a helicopter into the goddamn apocalypse. I've been shot at, almost drowned, and the last ship I was on got blown up by a missile. I'm not keen to add cannibalism to the list of threats on my resume, understand? He turned toward the door. Margaret was trying to think of another angle when Klimas gently put his hand on Tim's chest, stopping the smaller man from leaving. Hold on, Dr. Feelygood, Klimas said. I know you're scared. So am I. Tim huffed. <laughs> In this category, it's a safe bet that mine is bigger than yours. Klimas smiled. You've got me there. The SEALs get paid to do things like this, but we don't get paid to fail. If your presence increases our chances of succeeding, that's more important than your fear. That's more important than you. Everyone dreams of being a hero, Tim. This is your shot. Tim shook his head. I don't want to be a hero. I want to live. Margaret had it right. I'm a coward. It's what I've always been and what I'll always be. I'll get you out, Klimas said. 
You have my word that I'll get you out safe. I know how much you respect Margaret. She wouldn't put you in danger on a whim. Tim's resolve seemed to waver. He glanced at her. Margaret looked down, did her best to appear contrite. Sorry I slapped you. His ego, the same ego that made him demand the yeast be named after him. That was his hot button. She had to play to that. Tim, we've become a great team. If I had all the options in the world, I'd still pick you. But I don't have any other options. I can't do this without you. Tim chewed at his lower lip, forgiveness already visible in his eyes. She almost had him. He turned back to Klimas. You gave your word. Does that mean the same thing it does when guys in war movies say it? It means far more, Klimas said. If anything comes near you, I'll kill it. I'm taking you in. I'm bringing you out. Tim stared at him for a few more seconds, then looked down. <sighs> Shit. Okay, I'll go. Margaret smiled. In just a few hours, she could remove Cooper Mitchell, Tim Feely, then slip away to join her kind. Two more things, she said. First, we still don't know the full impact of a Hydra infection. Cooper Mitchell has them, but as far as we know, they'll eventually kill him. Therefore, no one approaches Mitchell, and I mean no one, unless they are wearing full biological protection. Going in was risky to start with. If she couldn't find a way to murder Tim and Clarence, she didn't want them coming back infected with a vector that could kill her. She looked hard at all the men in the room. Agreed. They all nodded. I'll make sure of it, Klimas said, his voice thick with that sickening, you-can-count-on-me tone. And the other thing? I'm not going in there unarmed. Would someone give me a crash course on how to shoot a gun? You have been listening to Pandemic, book three of the Infected Trilogy by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler. Performed by Phil Giganti. Produced by Empty Set Entertainment. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.